Well, good morning. It is an honor to share with you here today. As Pastor Philip mentioned, I have the privilege of serving here to the student ministry at both our Volvo and Kempsville locations. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I just want to take a second to brag on you guys. Uh, I have found this church to be the most kind-hearted, faith-filled, and generous giving church that I've ever come across. And, And that is a testament, ultimately, to uh, this church being a mission-minded, gospel-centric church. And we are blessed to have a leader like Pastor Eric. He is one of the most passionate people of faith when it comes to seeing those who are far from God come into close relationship with him. And so, as we've been going through this series, Jesus Changes everything, I just can't help but get fired up when I think about how true that is, not only in my own life, how Jesus has changed me and rearranged me in the best way possible, but how also the testimonies of this church. I think Philip mentioned 3,500 missionaries being sent out who are currently doing the work of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? That is something to rejoice in. Now, uh, I'll I'll just go ahead and say that uh, God must have known that we were going to have this Sunday because there couldn't have been a better passage to speak to the epidemic that our world is facing currently. So with that being said, and without any further ado, uh, we're going to jump into our passage. Uh, Again, I celebrate what God is doing in this church, the baptisms that we're seeing. Just last week, we saw six people being baptized, the entire family. And uh, by faith, I'm just going to speak it. Uh, By faith, I believe that we're going to see uh, at Easter, we're going to see even more baptisms. So with God's blessing on our time here today. I'm going to ask that you take out your copy of God's Word or that you uh, pull up your version app, whatever you got, uh, and let's dive into our text this morning. Verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?' Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "'Peace be still.' And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? If you take away just one central truth today, let it be this. It's also the title of this sermon. There is a purpose in your storm. There is a purpose in your storm. Notice I didn't say when you have a storm. I said that there is a purpose as of right now. 
I feel that I must express this up front because there's a tendency to suppress and not address the very real storms that we face. And I want to tell you that we are indeed in a storm. Uh, Now, not only because you live in this place called earth, but because there's this thing called sin. And as a result, we live in a place where it is very much true that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Good happens to bad and bad happens to good people and vice versa. Uh, We live in a world of depravity, poverty, pestilence, storms, disease, and coronavirus. Uh, Even just this last week, uh, I was amazed to see that uh, all of our big supermarkets cleared out because of the fear that is present and is apparent in the world that we face. Now, I don't need to share with you that we have storms because I I know that uh, not only do we each have our own things, our struggles, our storms that we face, but we all, (laughs) but we all have storms in this life. You can't escape it. You can't go around it. Sometimes they can be severe. They challenge our faith. They check our resolve. They confirm our character. But this is what I'm here to share with you today. Uh, In his presence, there is his perspective, which brings peace in the storm. And so uh, wherever you're turning into today, whatever, wherever you are, I want you to know that you can be encouraged in that truth. And so uh, if you can forgive me this morning, I just, I love alliteration. And so uh, if you're taking notes, if you've got a pen or a pencil or Uh, lipstick or eyeliner, whatever you've got, uh, you may want to take that out uh, so that you can put down these uh, few P's that I have for you and how you can know, how you can know that there is purpose in your storm. Uh, Number one, you can know that there's purpose in your storm because of the person you're becoming. You ever notice how storms are sudden? Uh, That's sort of what they do without any regard or respects to the people who may be on the receiving end. And despite advanced weather instrumentation, they can come without any moment of notice or heads up. The disciples in our passage have loved, they would have loved to have a weather predicting technology, to at least have a notion of the danger that they would face as they began to cross the Sea of Galilee in verse 35. And it is there that we see in our text, and it says, let us cross over to the other side. Notice this is Jesus speaking. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, I'm from a place called Lake City, Florida. Um, (laughs) There we have uh, lots of, hello, it's called Lake City. So we have a lot of lakes, and we also have our fair share of rivers. And, uh, of course, everybody knows Florida's surrounded by an ocean. Now, uh, now where where I'm at, uh, it's about as far away as you can get from the ocean, about as far North Florida as you can be. It's really more like South Georgia. But uh, let me just tell you, when I went to go visit the Sea of Galilee, and when I looked out at these waters, being uh, a person who is no stranger to being around lots of water, I didn't look at it and go, this is some stormy place right here. This is not a place you would be. On the contrary, I was looking out and thinking to myself, how did a storm of this magnitude happen? Well, 
uh, for starters, uh, the Sea of Galilee is, is actually a lake. It is 13 miles long, and uh, it is approximately eight miles wide, so it's shaped like a harp. And it's also, uh, it's, it's so massive that it would take about three hours to get across. So when Jesus got in the boat with the disciples, they were going on a three-hour tour. That was, that was for somebody. I don't know who that was for, but you're welcome. Uh, by no stretch of the imagination, would you say that this is your average lake? Matter of fact, it's the lowest-lying lake at, at six at 620 feet below sea level, and the mountains that are around it, Mount Hermon is at 9,200 feet. Uh, This is what happens. The water gushes down from Mount Hermon onto the the Sea of Galilee, and and with the the cold northern wind and the south low-lying lake wind, they have a collision, and when they collide, there is There is an awful and vicious storm that can commence. Now, uh, that is what we see in verse 37 taking place. Uh, In verse 37, it says, and a great windstorm arose. Uh, I like how it says it in another translation, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. Now, If you've never heard of the term squall, uh, don't despair. It's not a commonly shared word. For those wondering, according to the National Weather Service, squalls are sudden and intense bursts of thunder intermixed with heavy rain and wind. And they have the potential to overturn and sink whole ships. And... In verse 37, it continues, the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. There is a risk of encountering the waves in the storms of life. Can I ask you a question this morning? Uh, Do you ever feel beat up by the waves of life? Waves of doubt, waves of dysfunction, waves of depression, waves of debt, waves of depravity, and waves of disease. I know that I have faced some of these waves in my own life. Uh, In life, waves can have a way of developing into storms, be it financial storms, marital storms, hurricanes of headache, tornadoes of tension, or squalls of sadness. We can say this with all certainty. They affect us. They change us. Yet God has a way of taking all of these circumstances and working it for his glory. He is in the business of not only meeting you in the storm, but seeing you through to the other side. I believe I came to share that with somebody this morning. But can I tell you a secret before I tell you the second truth that you can know that there's purpose in your storm? It, It is this, simply, we learn in the storm. When we realize that we cannot overcome the storms ourselves, it is there that Jesus begins to form us into the person he wants us to be. 
The disciples were about to be the product of this truth. At the height of 10 feet, waves are crashing down on them. The disciples are not only feeling underprepared, but they are also overwhelmed. They are frustrated, devastated, and discombobulated. You know it's serious because Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who were fishermen by trade, are deeply afraid and fearful. I can hear the disciples saying now, we didn't have the time to prepare. If we had only known that this was going to happen, the fact that they panicked and struggled teaches us that the storm was too great for them to handle on their own. Which brings the question to mind. We've got to ask it. Why didn't the disciples trust the destination that Jesus had in mind? Why didn't they look to Jesus at the first sign of their fears? Why did they wait until the boat was almost sinking before they went to Jesus? I think it's because, if I can be candid with you, they wanted to handle it on their own. But isn't that human nature? How many times are we like the disciples in this story? Uh, Let me tell you, if you default to your human nature in the storm, mother nature will wreak havoc on your spiritual nature. (laughs) When the waves of life come, let's be the church that looks to Jesus first in the storm. For he is the one who can use all storms to develop us into the people that he wants us to be. After all, he is the master of the seas. Amen? Uh, Number two, you can know that there is purpose in the storm because there is peace in his presence. There is peace in his presence. Here's the beautiful thing about the peace of his presence. Can I share it with you this morning? To experience it, all you have to do... I'm not kidding. Uh, To experience it, all you have to do is acknowledge that he is there. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Do not be anxious, but by every prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We acknowledge that he's here. And then it says, after we acknowledge that he's there, and then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our heart, soul, and mind in Christ Jesus. Speaking of which, have the disciples in this text gone to Jesus yet? The the answer to that question is, no, they have not. Uh, If not, then the question is, why not? He is in the boat Look at the end of verse 38 with me. But he, capital H, was in the stern. Waves are crashing, thrashing, and bashing the disciples. And Jesus is asleep on the pillow in the back of the boat. This seems odd, doesn't it? A potentially life-threatening storm is taking place and Jesus is sleeping? I can assure you that it's not as odd as you might initially suspect. In fact, Jesus knew that the storm would come. Think about it for a second. Who told them to get in the boat in the first place? Jesus. These are not trick questions, I promise you. And if it were ever true that the answer is Jesus, it's true right now. Uh, Whose idea was it to go across the lake? Jesus. And who knew that the storm was going to come when it did? Jesus. I'm preaching to someone this morning, I think. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8 says, 
says that truth, and nothing ever surprises him. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He knows the storms that we're going to face before we do. And how do we know that this is the case with the disciples? (laughs) This is good. Because Jesus brought a pillow. And when you bring a pillow, it's because of this truth. You plan to sleep. Some of you may have tuned in from Bedside Baptist this morning. My encouragement is don't sleep on me just yet, but wake up to what God is trying to speak to you this morning. We think the storm is an inconvenience, but it's not. It's an opportunity to become the person he wants us to be and to receive the peace of his presence despite the stormy, turbulent, and raging seas of life. Jesus is asleep because he is Lord over the storm. The one who commands the winds and the waves does not fear the storm because he is Lord over the storm. And this is why Jesus sleeps in perfect peace. It is interesting that Jesus found peaceful rest while the disciples had nothing but anxious fear. And their question to Jesus in verse 38 highlights that, that fear. Despite seeing Jesus perform miracle after miracle, it just if you're curious, you can look at Google and say, what was the busiest part of Jesus' busiest day? And you'll find that it will direct you to these subsequent chapters leading up to Mark 4. Jesus is spent. He is super fatigued. Uh, Pastor Eric, he does this uh, multiple times every Sunday. I still don't know how he does it. I'm, I'm, I'm worn out just being here right now and, and trying to deliver you this word afresh. But I can, I can tell you this, that God in his divinity in the boat, it has to make you wonder. When we've got Jesus in the boat, it has to cause one to think, uh, did the disciples really think the one who the prophets foretold, the Lion of Judah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, uh, the one that was and is to come, do you really think that they would allow somebody like that to come to their demise here? Of course not. And if Jesus is in your boat, I want to share this with you with all that's within me. Uh, (laughs) What makes you think that you'll sink either? But in the storm, the disciples are having a crisis of their faith, and the reaction shows this. Verse 38 says, And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is so good, I'd I'd like to camp out here, but I can't. Uh, Sometimes when we are being tossed to and fro by the waves of life, we feel that Jesus is asleep or doesn't hear our prayers. Like the psalmist in Psalms 44, 22 and 23 says, Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. The same psalmist also wrote after experiencing the peace of his presence in chapter 34, verse 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I can tell you, the same psalmist who wrote both of these verses, the difference was on the latter, he experienced the peace of God's presence in his storm. Uh, Many times we say, God, work in us and through us, but the truth is, 
We only want God to do something through us, but not in us. We want the blessing without the pain. We, we want the help without the hassle. We want the healing without the heartache. May I remind you before God does something great through us, he often first does something in us. And his instrument for that often is, you guessed it, <laughs> the storm. Uh, but isn't it good to know that there is purpose in your storm? The storm is what it took for the disciples to see this. Uh, you know, Jesus never promised a smooth sailing, but he does promise his presence in the storm. I don't know about you, but I would rather be in a storm with Jesus than in a calm anywhere else. Dear church, safety is not the absence of the storm. It is the presence of the Savior in the storm. There's purpose in the storm because of the person who you're becoming in God's presence. And thirdly, we can know there's purpose in the storm because of the perspective he provides. You can know that there's purpose in your storm because of the perspective he provides. In verse 39, we see, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus calmed the waves with the same rebuke that he cast the demons out with at Capernaum. The waves and the wind stop in their tracks and immediately a deafening silence takes its place. It says, Jesus... Jesus took his great hand and brushed away the wind and then pressed down on the sea. I really like the way Dr. Jerry Vine says it. The wind fell as if there was a shot as a tranquilizing dart. And when it came in contact with the wind, it just completely stopped. The sea turned into a mirror of glass. The disciples, no doubt, are in awestruck wonder, mouth agape as they bask in the miracle that Jesus had just completed. Yet, they don't get to bask long because right after that in verse 40, Jesus says, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? If I can be perfectly candid with you, the reason for the fear in the disciples seems reasonable to me. Uh, I mean, God has created fear for that moment. Uh, we, we might even say it was instinctual that they were fighting and contending for their life. But I came to share with you a truth this morning. When Jesus is in the boat, even fear is not rational. You see, the purpose of the storm was not the storm itself. It was so that the disciples would learn to trust the peace of his presence and to gain his perspective. However, they didn't gain this perspective until after they went through the storm. Are you guys hearing me? Uh, they didn't gain this perspective on the storm until they went through the storm. While storms can be intense, there are good news about what a squall is. I shared with you briefly on what that was. Uh, squalls typically last only 30 minutes to an hour. And so, as an encouragement, I want you to know that storms don't come to stay, they come to go. And Jesus will either show off by delivering you from the storm or calming you in the storm. Uh, and both of these are miracles in their own right. But 
Trust his sustaining presence in the storm. Do go to him with bold prayer, but be prepared for either response. When we do this, Jesus will bring quick and immediate supernatural calmness to set in. He says, peace be still to us. One final story and and then we'll close. The greatest maritime disaster of history was the sinking of the Titanic on April 15th, 1912. And it, it wasn't a storm that sank her, it was an iceberg. But it was also the pride of shipbuilders. And as one of the attendees of the cruise that they were going on, uh, one, of the, one of the workers said this statement to someone who was coming onto this ship, God himself could not sink this ship. Uh, We all know the tragic story of how there weren't enough lifeboats and over 1,500 perished, but there's a part of this story you've probably never heard. The Titanic was built in Belfast, Ireland. After the news of the sinking, the people of Belfast took to the streets to weep and mourn. And then this one particular church, Derry Presbyterian Church, Uh, There was great sadness because 16 of their members were also engineers that passed as the ship met its icy fate. The church, as you can imagine, or one might would expect, was packed to overflowing that day, and Andrew Smith, who was the preacher of this church, uh, chose this passage that we just went through today, Mark 35 and and 41. And in his message to his congregates to encourage them in the storm that they were no doubt facing, this is what he said. There's only one vessel in all of history that was truly unsinkable, the little boat occupied by the sleeping Savior. Then he added, the only hearts that can weather the storm's of life are hearts with Jesus inside. Did you notice the last thing the disciples asked in verse, in verse 41? They said, who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now that's a pretty important question for you to answer as well. So Who is this man? Well, well, let me tell you. He is Jesus, God's son, and you can trust him. I wish I could more accurately describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't fault him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't conquer him. And the grave couldn't keep him. My friends, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the God of the future and the God of the past. And he's the God of the present. And there's no other name by which you must be saved but the name of Jesus. And you can trust him in your storm. And you can know that there is a purpose in your storm because of the person you're becoming, the peace of his presence, and the perspective you gain in the storm. The question is not whether or not Jesus will allow us to weather the storms of our life. The question is, is he in your boat? Is he the captain of your ship? Better yet, 
Is his spirit the wind in your sails? I can tell you this, he is Lord over the storms. He is the person to guide you through turbulent seas. Will you trust him? Not only with the storms of life, but will you trust him with your life? I wanna invite you, wherever you may be, uh, and also in this moment as I invite you uh, to come into a relationship with Jesus, to receive and trust in him as the Lord and Savior of your life. I'm just gonna ask that wherever you are, that you would stop what you're doing, that you would pray that others would respond to this truth that God desires to be ever-present not only in our storm, but God also desires to be the Lord of our life. If you would like to, uh, if you would like to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you would like to respond to Him today, I want to give you that opportunity. If you would just pray something along these lines, I promise you that a prayer doesn't save you, but we do serve a very real God that wants to meet you right where you're at. I want to pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're a savior. Father, meet me where I am. I call upon you. I look to you, Jesus. I claim you as Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Come and live in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again, I claim victory in you. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me, and thank you for saving me. I make you my Savior. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, people all around us uh, are feeling the effects of the storm that we are in, but as an encouragement uh, to our faith family, I want you to know that in this unprecedented, unprecedented time, it is more pertinent than ever that we, as his church, we look to step up to the plate and that we look to be truth bearers, that we look to be a light in, in, a, in a world that is going through uh, immense uh, uncertainty and, and turbulent times. So you can be, you can be that hope to someone else. Aren't you glad that someone shared Jesus with you? Uh, if you're glad that someone shared Jesus with you, I want you to know that there are people around you that need to know this hope too. There are people around you who desperately need to know that there's a God who loves them and desires to have a relationship with them. So if you responded uh, just now in this message, I want you to know that you can text with a, a number that we're gonna have on the screen here. That, that number is... 757-422. We got that number back there? 558. Amen. 757-422-5558. There it is. You can text that number, and you can, you can simply text the word boat. A boat, if you made a decision today. Uh, and, and just, just as, as we close here, I, I want to promise 
I want you to know that we can trust who God is and that when we don't understand the storm, when we can't make sense of the storm, we can turn to the one who is Lord over the storm. Uh, And either way, we can know that God works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Jesus has a purpose for you in the storm. My friends, there is purpose in the storm. Amen.